Welcome to The Speculum, a podcast that opens up dialogue around women's intimate health. We discuss topics ranging from puberty to postmenopause. We want women to feel comfortable and confident as they navigate life's changes. My name is Elise Maxwell, and I am your host. Today, I am joined by the wonderful Cindy Traxler, my friend and writer, and Missy Safner, a nurse midwife, who will answer some of our questions at the end of this episode. Today, we are talking about the importance of knowing your lady parts. Today, we are discussing our anatomy. I'll be honest, part of our decision to do this episode is because of my recent discovery that the vulva and vagina are two different parts. (laughs) Our anatomy. This is a personal personal topic for me because I come from a time growing up where you just it was down there truly it was down down there there. and down there meant don't touch don't look don't talk about don't bring it up thinking about this week this topic has been something that I've had to do some personal examination about how frank and honest I can still be, you know, the the shame that I still carry from being told that down there is like the nether region that must not ever be discussed, you know. You know, as Elise was saying that understanding the difference between your vulva and vagina, for instance, it's, you know, she's not alone. I mean, I know early on I did not have that language. And it wasn't until I was probably going into middle school that I even discovered my clitoris I knew it was present, had never touched it up to that point, I don't think. And and maybe if I did, I was younger and don't remember it. But if you're not active, you're not intimate with somebody on that level, you'll never discover it if you don't examine your own body. And so the examinations that I was doing were, oh my God, there's something there. Oh my God, that feels kind of good. Later, of course, I learned that's called masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, women do masturbate. And And we're going to have a whole series on female orgasm. Yes. Masturbation will definitely be part of that. Yes. It wasn't until I decided that it wasn't a bad thing. It was still something very much that I kept secret and it was private for me. But it was at that time that I started to wonder about what these things were called. So you're talking junior high school, that that age range for me. Boys do not go through that. Yeah, I, I mean, that's right there. <laughs> like, it's all out in the open. Like, how? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that even if, <laughs> even if they have people in their lives that shame them about touching their penis, I think that their friends totally make up for, may make up for, that shaming because their friends and yeah you know it's it's masturbation amongst it's a wink and a nod and I think that if if people see boys doing it or hear boys talking about it it's the boys will be boys but yeah. for us women knowing that there's a real pleasure center in your body is is like Not still a very about. taboo thing yeah. um in in many cultures so I'm just, I don't know I, I know I I'm sure at some point I was taught like the different names for things but I feel like it was really in my, like, teens that I learned what a clitoris was. And I, I mean, I knew that there was, like, something that felt really good there. But I, I don't even know that I really had a word for it. The only, the earliest anatomy I knew was labia minora majora. Because I was like, that's, like, 
the Big Dipper, right? Isn't there a menorah, like, major Big Dipper's <laughs> like, compared it to, like, constellations? It's like, menorah, majora, okay. Um, but, like, I actually, there's, like, a, I'm, I was, I hadn't planned on talking about this, um, but I'm realizing that it really speaks to the, how quiet we are about the fact that we have something between our legs that is actually very intricate and kind of interesting. I, when I was, um, in, so I was in kindergarten, I was probably about five or six years old. I fell off, um, my parents' deck. Like it was kind of a shorter deck and landed straddled on a flower pot. And it actually, um, it cut me severely and was close to like actually puncturing my bladder. And I was in the hospital for a long time and, um, and I had to get like 20 stitches in that area. And I did not know what had happened. Like, I did not have words to talk about it. I I remember them having to take out a catheter, and that was... Yeah, painful. Pain, that mm-hmm. sucked. Yeah. I, and I, mm-hmm. I clearly remember that. But I did not know what had happened down in that area, and I still really don't. Because right. no one talked to me about it. No one told me, like, where the cut was. No one told me, like, did it change anything about my anatomy? Did it... No one talked to me about it. To, to this day, no one has told me, like, and I know, like, now I've seen plenty of pictures of vaginas, and <laughs> I know that it, like, there isn't any clear, I think I can kind of see a scar, a little bit of a scar, but I just can't believe that no one explained to me, mm-hmm. like, even as I got older, like, where that had happened, like, what part of my vagina did that impact, and I, uh... I'm now, I'm, I'm actually reflecting on this during this podcast, and I just, that's so screwed up that no one explained to me this pretty traumatic injury, because they didn't want to talk to me about my vagina. About down there. About down there. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not blaming this on my parents by any no. means. They were freaked out. Like, it was very traumatizing, I think, for my dad especially, because he was, he saw the whole thing happen, and he picked me up out of the bush, and I was bleeding everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I'm not in any way, like, blaming my parents, um, or the, but I am kind of blaming the doctors, like, but then again, there's so much taboo about talking to a little girl about her vagina. Right. So it's just, we've set up this system where, uh, when that kind of thing happens, people can't talk about it, so. On a lighter note, I still don't know where my urethra is. (laughs) (laughs) I just haven't taken the time to, like, look at where the pee's coming out of, but. I know it exists because I pee. Okay. So once again, we have uh, looked at a couple articles. Uh, We have a link to the Our Bodies Ourselves website, which is a a great site with a lot of um, helpful information. The article that I do um, want to talk about, though, because I think it's important and it it is related to what I was just telling, talking about in terms of my story with falling off off the deck. And that's uh, an article that was in The Atlantic. It's called The Case for Teaching Kids Vagina, Peva, Penis, and Vulva. And that article is um, by Catherine Booney. And one of the great points that she makes in this article is that by giving kids th- that language they can then really speak in an intelligent way that other adults can understand if something happens. If there's an assault or if anything happens down there that is not quite right, 
they have the language to talk about it. And if you give them words like hoo-ha or the JJ JJ and And, yeah, it's, um, they they don't have the language that they need to sometimes to explain what's going on. If something doesn't feel right. 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 Having raised a child at this point, granted my, I have a son and talking to him and giving him the proper terms of his anatomy were a real big part, I believe, of him having a healthy self-esteem about his body overall. I think young women, I could have so used the language um, much, much before I discovered it on my own in my my early teens and, you know, middle school. I just think that knowing who you are and knowing that the parts of your body, it takes away some of that scary shame attached Mm -hmm. to it because when you when you say down there and then you give it a nickname you know I had this great debate with a close friend of mine and we argued for hours she is adamant that you do what's comfortable for you I say you know we don't nickname any other part of our body as women we don't call our eye an eye or that thing. You know, we don't. An eye. We don't come up with. <laughs> we don't lippy. We don't do that for any other part. We yeah. call it what it is. But there is something about women's health. Um, I think that does start with having proper terminology around the things that are vital to your existence. And if you can, if you can know that you have a vagina. And that there are parts. And the vulva is different the than the vagina. The vulva is different than the vagina. I'm 29 <laughs> years old and just recently, like, I, okay, maybe I, once again, probably oblivious, probably was taught to me at some point, but it didn't sink in until I was 29 years old. Like, <laughs> Right, because so. when you're in, like, sixth grade and they're showing you diagrams, if you've never touched your body at that yeah. point, the diagram is just another picture. And to a, a te- yeah, to yeah. a to a kid, it's just another picture. You kind of have to explore on your own. And I think that, you know, I think that we've seen some things in our culture improve around this. Um, but I think that 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 terminology, as this writer is saying, is, hey, not only is it going to help if something, God forbid, that happened poor, bad to your child, that they're assaulted, but it will also allow your child the power it empowers you to know how to communicate and know how to say to somebody this person touched my vagina they touch the inside they touch me inside they touch me outside they could be they would be able to differentiate between that and that to me is like priceless overall um and even if something is happening you know little girls sometimes get yeast infections yeah and them having the knowledge that something's wrong, you know, if they just say it itches down there, well, itching down there when you're a little girl could mean anything. But if they can say, no, it's itching on my vulva. No, it's itching on my clitoris. You could help yeah. your kid get help that much sooner. Um, I think it's just part of that identifying is, 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 is very helpful. And I, I'm just thinking to something you just said around how your friend said well I do what is comfortable it's up to adults to feel a little uncomfortable to make sure the next generation of children has better like higher self-esteem or greater self-esteem and um 
it's up to us to just feel a little uncomfortable. We need to get over it. Like, we need to get over ourselves, and we need to provide our children a healthier sense of their body. Yes. This is not you talking to them about sex. sex. This is about you helping them identify Just like we play the eyes, ears, nose, mouth game with our kids, trying to help them learn the different parts of their face, you know, it really is just that. It's just another part of their body. It's It's anatomy. Yes. I mean, I I agree with Elise. I mean, there has to be some growing up behind this and and the shame that's attached to a woman's genitals needs to go away. And it won't go away if we keep keep nicknaming it. Hoo-ha and the JJ and... (laughs) Yeah, kitty cat, whatever your pick is, <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> I mean, and I don't, I haven't thought through this, what I'm about to say, but I also think that this is, has something to do with breasts too. Not that we, I think we are, we use better terminology with breasts, but we have, just like we do with the vagina, we really sexualize breasts. Yes. And once again, it's, that is a part of a woman's body that's more than for sex. It's important for us to acknowledge that they like breasts are not inherently these sexual objects right and neither is a vagina a vagina isn't inherently a sexual object yes that is one of the purposes of a vagina but um you also pee out of your you know that area of your body there's and so it's just the over sexualization of women's bodies has, has i mean we can have an entire episode on that yes We're more than sexual objects. You know, one of the things that I took away from this was the notion, we we frequently talk about breast exam and it's okay to say breast exam, but this article talking about knowing those parts of your body and being able to do an examination of your, your vagina and knowing that changes in your vulva, for instance, or your clitoris can be signs of infection, early detection. You know what your normal is. Mm -hmm. And you will never know your normal if you never examine those areas. Um, So I think that it's important for women to be able to say, this is itching, or that's discolored, or that's Mm -hmm. swollen, or something's going on and depending upon what phase you are in your life that could be a perfectly normal change but if it's not a normal change for you and you let it go and you let whatever it is go untreated you're putting your possibly your life at risk like i said women's health does begin with just like we have the knowledge about breast exam self-examinations of breast mammograms and everything else When it comes to talking about down there, (laughs) even though this is 2015 and I'm around intelligent, articulate women who still refer to their genitals in terms of nicknames and things like that. When when it comes time to identify, you yeah. should be able to, and we should teach our children to, because I think that ultimately it's just going to grow them into a different, better place. Awesome. So today's episode's all about anatomy, and we are very lucky to have Missy Safner on the phone with us. She is a nurse midwife with a PhD in women's health nursing. Thank you so much for being here, Missy. Thanks for having me back, Elise. It's great to be here. So the first question is around self-examination. 
So is self-examination of the vulva and vagina important? I think it's important for women to know their body. So they should know what's normal, structurally, hair pattern, those types of things. So just as I would recommend a woman know um, their breasts and know what the tissue feels like and where their normal bumps and lumps are, I would also recommend a woman know what her genitals look like. So what does her hair pattern look like? Where are the the little bumps and lumps that she normally sees um, there? You know, what do her labia look like? And the reason it's important um, to to know what you look like is because then you can be aware of when something is not normal for you. So if something appears, if a bump appears on your labia, um, and you can say that was not there before, I need to seek care. Whereas if you're not familiar, you may just notice it one day and really get worried and freaked out. And maybe it's been there. Your practitioner had it on your record the year before that, yes, you did have a bump there in that spot. Maybe it's a mole, something like that. And this is kind of a follow-up question. Do you know, are, so do you ever get patients who ask, you know, can you kind of guide me through what my genitals, like what's going on where? Do you get that question a lot? And is that okay for patients to kind of ask their practitioner to help them with? Sure. I would love for women to um, to ask. Um, certainly a lot of places, clinics will have mirrors that you could use during the exam that um, so you can point out things as you're as you're going through. Um, if a woman desires that, um, certainly ask. And I think especially with nurse midwives, you'll find um, that they're receptive to that. What so in that vein, what are some of the misconceptions you frequent frequently hear about uh, women's genitalia about the anatomy aspect? I often hear women think that they're abnormal, which makes me a little bit sad. Um, you know, I hear things about that their labia are too small or that their hair pattern, they have too much hair compared to other people. Um, so I think the biggest misconception is is that somehow women are abnormal. And what I would say is, again, everyone is so unique and different and that's a great thing. And do you have any tips for those who are interested in conducting self-examinations? I think if you want to do a self-exam, you know, at home or wherever, have a good mirror. Um, make sure you don't have any neck or back issues because certainly <laughs> sometimes you have to twist a little bit to get um, to see what you want to look at. Um, but, you know, if you're conducting a self-exam at home, um, just be comfortable with yourself. You know, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Um in, when the, the landmark book, Our Bodies, Ourselves, was published um, by the Boston Women's Collective, there were groups all around the country that would get together and they'd bring their plastic speculums with them and they'd do, sell, they'd do exams on one another so that they could look at um, vaginas and, and normalize um, genitals and vaginal health. And I don't, I'm not suggesting that that's what women should be doing. Um, certainly, if that's what you're, you want to do, then and you can find a group of women who are interested, then go for it. Um, but what I am saying is that it's okay to be interested in your body, and it's okay to be interested in who you are and what makes you you. And so, um, you know, if you're interested in a self-exam, good mirror. If you have friends who want to practice plastic speculums, then, then go for it. So this is a great episode, and we hope that women um, feel comfortable doing self-examinations. And uh, so thank you so much for providing that insight, Missy, and we are excited to have you back in a few weeks. 
Thanks, Elise. I'll look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you so much for joining this week's episode. Please tweet your questions to at OvaWoman. To access past and future episodes, visit OvaWoman.com. This podcast is produced by Ova Woman, a women's intimate health company that aggregates products that support women in feeling comfortable and confident. Check them out at ovawoman.com. Thank you. Thank you.